Please open your Bibles with me. I'm going to read first from Mark 1, 1 to 8, and then from Acts 2, uh, 36 to 41. And afterwards, we'll read from the Belgian Confession, Article 34. Mark 1, beginning at verse 1. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. We turn to Acts 2. We'll read the verses 36 to 41. This is part of Peter's address on the day of Pentecost. Peter has been presenting proofs from the Old Testament Scriptures about the fact that the Spirit needed to be poured out as he was on the day of Pentecost. He continues in chapter 2, verse 36, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. And when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourself from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Let's now turn to the Belgian Confession. I'm going to read Article 34, page 513 of your Book of Praise. The Sacrament of Baptism. We believe and confess that Jesus Christ, who is the end of the law, has by his shed blood put an end to every other shedding of blood that one could or would make as an expiation or satisfaction for sins. He has abolished circumcision, which involved blood, and has instituted in its place the sacrament of baptism. 
By baptism we are received into the church of God and are set apart from all other peoples and false religions to be entirely committed to him whose mark and emblem we bear. This serves as a testimony to us that he will be our God and gracious Father forever. For that reason he has commanded all those who are his to be baptized with plain water into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. By this he signifies to us that as water washes away the dirt of the body when poured on us, and as water is seen on the body of the baptized when sprinkled on him, so the blood of Christ by the Holy Spirit does the same thing internally to the soul. It washes and cleanses our soul from sin and regenerates us from children of wrath into children of God. This is not brought about by the water as such, but by the sprinkling of the precious blood of the Son of God, which is our Red Sea, through which we must pass to escape the tyranny of Pharaoh, that is the devil, and enter into the spiritual land of Canaan. Thus the ministers on their part give us the sacrament and what is visible, but our Lord gives us what is signified by the sacrament, namely the invisible gifts and grace. He washes purges and cleanses our souls of all filth and unrighteousness, renews our hearts and fills them with all comfort, gives us true assurance of his fatherly goodness, clothes us with the new nature, and takes away the old nature with all its works. We believe, therefore, that anyone who, has, who aspires to eternal life ought to be baptized only once. Baptism should never be repeated, for we cannot be born twice. Moreover, baptism benefits us not only when the water is on us and when we receive it, but throughout our whole life. For that reason, we reject the error of the Anabaptists, who are not content with a single baptism received only once, and who also condemn the baptism of the little children of believers. We believe that these children ought to be baptized and sealed with the sign of the covenant, as infants were circumcised in Israel on the basis of the same promises which are now made to our children. Indeed, Christ shed his blood to wash the children of believers just as much as he shed it for adults. Therefore, they ought to receive the sign and sacrament of of what Christ has done for them, as the Lord commanded in the law that a lamb was to be offered shortly after children were born. This was a sacrament of the suffering and death of Jesus Christ, because baptism has the same significance for our children as circumcision had for the people of Israel. Paul calls baptism the circumcision of Christ. In response, let's now rise and sing from Psalm 34, stanzas 3 and 4.
from the Heidelberg Catechism. Let's read together Lord's Day 26. How does holy baptism signify and seal to you that the one sacrifice of Christ on the cross benefits you? In this way, Christ instituted this outward washing and with it gave the promise that as surely as water washes away the dirt from the body, so certainly his blood and spirit wash away the impurity of my soul, that is, all my sins. What does it mean to be washed with Christ's blood and spirit? To be washed with Christ's blood means to receive forgiveness of sins from God through grace because of Christ's blood poured out for us in a sacrifice on the cross. To be washed with His Spirit means to be renewed by the Holy Spirit and sanctified to be members of Christ so that more and more we become dead to sin and lead a holy and blameless life. Whereas Christ promised he will wash us with his blood and spirit as surely as we are washed with the water of baptism. In the institution of baptism where, it sa- where he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. This promise is repeated where scripture calls baptism the washing of regeneration and the washing away of sins. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, at our baptism, the Lord makes great promises to us. We hear these promises repeated each time we witness the baptism of one of the children of the congregation. The baby's name is called out, and he or she receives the promises of our triune God. That was no different for you or for me. God has made his promises to each one of us, personally. The Father testifies that He establishes an eternal covenant of grace with us. The Son promises us that He washes us in in His blood from all our sins. The Holy Spirit assures us that He will dwell in us and make us living members of Christ. How rich we are to have received these gracious promises. Yet, it does not appear that God's promises apply to everyone who receives them. Our experience tells us that not all who are baptized actually end up living in a relationship with God. The Son's promise of the forgiveness of sins does not appear to be a reality for all covenant children. If the Holy Spirit assures us that He will dwell in us and make us living members of Christ, why are there those who turn away from God as they grow up? So what are we to make of God's promises? Are they reliable? Trustworthy? 
Is there truly any comfort or strength that we can receive from our baptism? Or is it just an empty ritual devoid of any true meaning in our lives? In order to understand the dilemma posed, we need to go back to basics. Let's remember that baptism has replaced circumcision as a sign of the covenant. In order to understand the promises made to us at our baptism, we need to understand the covenant that the Lord has made with us. It is a covenant of grace in which God promises us life with Him forevermore. And yet the covenant does not just consist of promises. Together with the promises comes a call. A call to repent and believe. A call to cleave to God, to trust Him, to love Him, to live for Him. The only way to share in the promises of the covenant is by true faith. You see, beloved, baptism is not a magical formula by which we're cleansed of our sins. It does not guarantee automatic inclusion in the kingdom of heaven. Instead, baptism is a sign and seal that declare to us in a visible way the promises of the gospel. As such, baptism is given to us as a means to strengthen our faith. It's intended to focus our attention on the Savior, Jesus Christ. Through the sign and seal of baptism, we're encouraged to put our faith and trust in Him. I preach you the Word of God under the following theme. In baptism, Jesus Christ signs and seals to us the promises of the covenant. We'll consider what is promised and how we can make these promises our own. The key to understanding the sacrament of holy baptism is understanding the covenant. The form for the baptism of infants makes it clear that there's a close connection between baptism and the covenant. Just listen to different things that this form says. It says, God the Father testifies and seals to us that He establishes an eternal covenant of grace with us. It speaks about how we must not despair of God's mercy nor continue in sin, for baptism is a seal and trustworthy testament that we have an eternal covenant with God. The form for baptism makes reference to Genesis 17 verse 7. It says, the Lord spoke to Abraham, the father of all believers, and thus also speaks to our children, saying, I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you. It says that infants must be baptized as heirs of the kingdom of God and of his covenant. From all these references, we conclude there's a very close link between baptism and the covenant. The basic point is that at baptism, God signs and seals to us the promises of the covenant. Just as God gave Abraham circumcision as a sign of the Old Covenant, so He gives us baptism as a sign of the New Covenant. Baptism is meant to strengthen our faith in the promises of God. It's meant to assure us that God 
graciously grants us forgiveness, and, forgiveness of sins and everlasting life because of the one sacrifice of Christ accomplished on the cross. So how does God sign and seal these promises to us through baptism? To see that, we need to look a little more closely at what baptism is. Our Lord's Day speaks about baptism being an outward washing. This word washing is a key word in our Lord's Day. Lord's Day 26 uses the words wash or washing ten times in the space of three questions and answers. The sign of baptism is water washing away dirt from our bodies. The seal of baptism is that as surely as water washes dirt from the body, so certainly Christ's blood and spirit wash away the impurity of our souls, that is, all our sins. Let's consider that image of washing somewhat further. We hear the word washing. We think of something that's really dirty. There'd be no reason to wash something if it's not soiled and stained. You don't throw clean clothes in the washing machine. There's no need to bathe a clean child. But after a hot and sweaty day on the job site, you do throw your smelly clothes in the wash bin. And if your child comes in from playing in the dirt and mud, you do bathe him. Thus we see that washing presupposes that something is dirty, that it needs to be cleaned. And what's the main ingredient you need in washing? It's water. Whether you're cleaning clothes or whether you're cleaning yourself, you need water. Without water, your washing machine is useless. Without water, you can't take a shower or a bath. Water is an essential ingredient in the cleaning process. It was like that in the days of the Lord Jesus Christ when he instituted the sacrament of baptism. And it's still like that today. Now, obviously, the point of baptism is not that we are outwardly washed and made clean. The washing of baptism has a spiritual significance. It deals with the cleansing of our souls. Belgian Confession makes this clear in Article 34. It says that baptism signifies to us that as water washes away the dirt to the body of the baptized when sprinkled on him, so the blood of Christ by the Holy Spirit, does the same thing internally to the soul. It washes and cleanses our soul from sin and regenerates us from children of wrath into children of God. Belgian Confession goes on to stress that this is not brought about by the water as such, but by, this, but by the sprinkling of the precious blood of Jesus Christ. To understand why we need to be washed or cleansed, we need to go back to the fall into sin. With the fall into sin, we became guilty of disobedience. And as such, we deserved eternal death. At the same time, our nature became totally corrupt. So we're inclined by nature to all evil. 
To put it simply, we became dirty in God's eyes. We lost the righteousness and the holiness in which we were created. We became sinful people. The significance of baptism is that it's a sign and seal of how our sins are washed away. We read this afternoon from Mark 1. There we see how the Lord Jesus, there we see how the Lord sent John the Baptist to prepare the way for the coming of the Christ. John called the people to repentance. Many came to him confessing their sins and were baptized by him. They're going down into the water of the Jordan River and coming up again was a sign of their cleansing, of their purification. John's baptism itself did not save them. John couldn't give them forgiveness for their sins. Yet through his ministry of preaching and baptizing, John prepared the people for the coming of the Christ. Christ's baptism was different from that of John's. John said, I baptize with water, but he that is Christ will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The baptism instituted by Christ was in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Acts 19 verse 5 makes it clear that those who were baptized with John's baptism needed to be baptized again in the name of Jesus Christ that they might receive the Holy Spirit. So we see that John's baptism pointed forward to the cleansing and the renewal that people would ultimately find in the Lord Jesus. Our Lord Jesus Christ washes us from our sins through his blood and spirit. To be washed with Christ's blood means to receive forgiveness of our sins from God through grace because of Christ's blood. Beloved, we need this very much. Because of the fall into sin, we're guilty of disobedience. We're deserving of eternal death. Yet through the blood of Christ, we receive forgiveness. We're cleansed from the guilt of our sin. God takes away our dirtiness. He makes us clean again. Through Christ's blood, we are restored to God's favor. The water of baptism speaks of the cleansing power of the blood of Christ. Ezekiel was allowed to prophesy of this to the people of Israel, whom God promised to restore from exile. He spoke of how God would cleanse them from their sins and restore them to his favor. He said in Ezekiel 36, verse 25, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses, and from all your idols I will cleanse you. Thus, in our baptism, we're assured that as surely as water washes away the dirt of our bodies, so certainly Christ's blood washes away all our sins. There's also a second aspect to the washing symbolized by baptism. It's an aspect that's often forgotten. Question answers 70 of the Catechism makes it plain that we are washed by Christ's blood and by His Spirit. We've spoken about being washed by Christ's blood. 
The focus there was on our justification, on receiving forgiveness from our sins and being restored to God's favor. Now we'll pay some more attention to the washing by Christ's Spirit. Here the focus is on our sanctification, on the daily renewal of our lives by the Holy Spirit. See, beloved, with the fall into sin, man was not only guilty of disobedience, Man also became totally corrupt and inclined to all evil. By nature, our tendency is to do bad rather than good. It's to hate instead of to love. Thus, we see the need to be washed by the Spirit of Christ. To be washed with Christ's Spirit means to be renewed by the Holy Spirit. That more and more we become dead to our sins and lead a holy and a blameless life. God purifies us. He makes us holy again. Through Christ's Spirit, we're given new life. The water of baptism speaks of the cleansing power of the Holy Spirit. The Lord Jesus spoke of this to Nicodemus in John 3. Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit... He cannot enter the kingdom of God. Jesus taught Nicodemus it's necessary for us to be born again. It's necessary for the Holy Spirit to come into our hearts, to give us new life through Him. In our baptism, we're assured that as certainly as water washes away dirt from the body, so certainly Christ's Spirit washes away the impurity of our souls. The Belgian Confession describes this beautifully in Article 34. It says, Thus the ministers on their part give us the sacrament and what is visible. But our Lord gives us what is signified by the sacrament, namely the invisible gifts and grace. He washes, purges, and cleanses our souls of all filth and unrighteousness renews our hearts and fills them with all comfort, gives us true assurance of His fatherly goodness, clothes us with the new nature and takes away the old nature and all its works. So we can see, beloved, how blessed we and our children are to receive God's covenant promises at our baptism Baptism signifies and seals to us the riches of God's grace towards us. Contains a rich promise of how in Christ all our sins are washed away. And how through Spirit we are renewed and sanctified to be members of Christ. God is so gracious in not only making these promises to us in His Word, but also by confirming them through the sacrament of baptism The picture of water washing away dirt from the body confirms to us the salvation He has promised us. This brings us to our second point, and it will consider how we can make God's promises our own. Beloved, it's wonderful to see how the promises of the covenant are signed and sealed to us in holy baptism. It's great to be assured by baptism that Christ will wash us from all our sins by His blood and Spirit. And yet, 
we experience in our lives that not all who are baptized actually end up partaking of these promises. There's baptized members of the church who stray away and who ultimately do not share in the forgiveness of sins and in the renewal of their lives. This leaves us with a big question. If baptism is meant to strengthen us in our faith, to comfort and assure us of the promises of God, then how do we share in these promises? In what way do we make the promises of God our own? The only way to answer this question is to go back to the covenant, to examine it somewhat further. Since baptism signifies and seals to us the promises of the covenant, perhaps the teaching about the covenant will also make clear how we are to share in these promises. Throughout the ages, many of God's people have held on to the idea that they were saved by virtue of the fact that they belonged to the covenant. Israel did not believe the prophets whom God sent, warning them that Jerusalem would be overcome, the temple destroyed, and that they would be taken into exile. They were God's covenant people. God had promised to them that He would be their God, that He would make them into a great nation. They were utterly perplexed when God sent the Babylonians to punish them for their disobedience and apostasy. They could not understand how it was possible for God to punish them, His own covenant people, even though they had repeatedly forsaken Him. Jesus faced this same attitude from the Jewish leaders in His day. They thought that because they were children of Abraham, they would automatically share in the promises of the covenant. Yet Jesus confronted them with the fact that although they were physically the descendants of Abraham, spiritually they were children of the devil. As proof, Jesus cited their desire to murder him, although he had never done anything wrong. Thus Jesus made it clear that just being God's covenant children was no guarantee of salvation. Also today, we need to be wary of covenant automatism. It's so easy for us to have the attitude that because we've been baptized and because we grow up in a Christian families, because we attend the church of God, we will be saved. It's not true, beloved. Our salvation is not based on being members of God's covenant or on belonging to a Christian church. Esau and King Saul and Judas Iscariot were all members of the covenant. They'd all received God's promises. And as far as we can tell, these promises would have been signified to each one of them through their circumcision. And yet the scriptures made it, make it clear They were not partakers of the benefits of the covenant. They were not saved. So how do we share in Christ 
and in all his benefits? How do we make the promises made to us at our baptism our own? Only through true faith. See, beloved, a covenant contains, consists of more than just promises. It also comes with obligations. With the promises of God comes God's call. Believe in me. Trust me. Love me with all your heart, soul, and mind. Do not love the world, but put off your old nature and lead a God-fearing life. Thus we see that sharing in the promises of the covenant requires us to believe in them and to live from out of them. Beloved, do you believe that God the Father adopted you as His child and heir? Are you confident that He will provide you with all good and avert all evil or turn it to your benefit? You see, that's what God has promised to you in Romans 8. Verse 28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. These words show us that the promise is fulfilled in those who believe, in those who love God. Beloved, do you believe that God the Son washes you in His blood from all your sins and unites you with Him in His death and resurrection? See, that's what's promised to you in Romans 6. There the Apostle Paul speaks about being buried with Christ by baptism into death and being raised with Him to newness of life. But note that Paul, again, qualifies his statement. He speaks about if we have been united with Christ in a death like His. Not everyone who is baptized, shares in the spiritual benefits of union with Christ. Depends on whether or not we respond to our baptism with faith. Beloved, do you believe that the Holy Spirit dwells in you? That He cleanses you from your sins and renews your life? The promise of the Spirit's indwelling is made in Acts 2, verses 38 and 39. There Peter says, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to Himself. Please note that once again the promise is conditional on the people's faith. Not everyone received the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. He only came to dwell in the hearts of those who repented of their sins and who believed in Jesus Christ. So we see there's only one way to share in the promises God has made to each one of us at our baptism. The only way that we can make these promises our own is by faith. 
God's promises are of no benefit to us if we don't believe them. Baptism signifies and seals to us the washing away of our sins through Christ's blood and the renewal of our life through Christ's Spirit. As such, it's intended to to visibly portray the promises of the gospel. Yet to share in these great benefits, we need to believe in the Savior, Jesus Christ. Here we see the great responsibility that we as parents have. God makes great and wonderful promises not just to us, but also to our children. When baptized, our children are not yet able to understand God's promises. They need to be taught about who God is, about his grace in Jesus Christ. They need to learn to know God, to love him, and how to serve him. As parents, we have the task to teach our children these things. As parents, we are blessed to receive help in training our children in God's ways. We take them with us to church, and we send them to the catechism classes. We're privileged to enroll them at a Christian school. Our children receive many blessings through these means. But that doesn't take away from our parental responsibility We need to talk of the Lord, to teach our children to love Him. We need to model what the Christian life looks like by providing a good example in our own lives. At times, we feel pretty inadequate to fulfill such a lofty calling. Beloved, God works His grace through weak, and sinful people like us. He just calls us to be faithful in instructing and disciplining our children. He's the one who can work faith in them by the power of His Spirit. Beloved, baptism is a sign of God's covenant promises to us. Take hold of the promises of God The promises of the covenant are real. God's word is reliable. It is trustworthy. Our baptism is not just some empty ritual. Each time we witness a baptism in church, we're reminded of how at our baptism, God called us by name. He has spoken his promises to each one of us personally. Let that give us confidence to believe these promises and so to share in Christ and in all his benefits. Amen.